Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thank you guys for joining me. I know we've got a couple of people in here uh, live with us, and uh, some people will be listening to this later on. So just a couple of quick notes. Um, if they're, if we're referring to the screen, then just make sure you're checking out the video version of this over at GameArtInstitute.com. And if you're here live, then you're looking at the screen. So it's all positive. Um, we're going to uh, have a, an awesome conversation and walk through character stuff, very specifically character. My guest here today is a character artist uh, at MP. And then we will open this up for questions. But for those of you who are here live, just ask questions as it goes. So, um, Hesham, thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. And do you mind putting your art station up just so people know exactly um, yes. how to find you? Uh, it's not, it doesn't have like pretty much uh, a magazine. So... Yeah, so you can find it like here, Hesham Abu Hattab. All right, great. So yeah. tell me, uh, you're a character artist at MPC. Um, a couple, there's a couple of other um, friends of mine that work there or have worked there. Uh, what does that do? What does a character artist do at MPC? Because I know it's not film or game or it's kind of like a, it does a bunch of stuff. Am I wrong? Uh, uh, no, actually, MPC uh, it divides into two sections: uh, it, film, like yep only film that's what where I, where i work okay uh, there is mpc advertising this is uh, something different it's a different right. building different people different management different everything uh, different project as well so at uh, at film basically do it we do all the high poly uh, blockbuster like the blockbuster characters and creatures for film mm -hmm. Uh, starting from uh, concepting sometimes is I don't say it's like 100% concepting it's like 50% concepting sometimes and the other times you do concept development so you don't do concepting from scratch yeah. as uh, sometimes um, most of the times actually you get like concepts from uh, client side um, and you have to translate that concept you either get uh, 2D concepts or 3D concepts. Um, so a film, you only do modeling. If you're a character artist at MPC film, uh, especially, uh, and you're a character artist, you only specialize in characters. So you only do character like organic modeling. You don't do you don't do uh, props. You don't do uh, like customs and stuff like that um, because there is like other modelers that do that stuff for you. Mm -hmm. So you only concentrate on um, the organic thing that like the organic part of it unless you're doing a digital double so you you do the, the customer for it but not the weapons for example um, the hard stuff the hard surface you don't do hard surface. are you doing clothing or are you literally just doing bodies and faces I just do bodies and faces okay. does somebody else do hair uh, yes so it's uh, character artists are uh, character modelers so you do modeling and um, facial modeling as well yeah. Yeah. some topology people, um yeah like sometimes you do topology sometimes it's sent to another studio but uh like you you don't do like we don't usually do topology at mpc or mm -hmm. basically a senior artist doesn't do topology um it's more of uh 
a job for the like more of a junior artist's level or um, mid artist. And hopefully robots eventually and machine learning. So we don't ever have to touch that stuff. Yeah, you don't you don't have to you don't ever touch like machineries or robots or stuff like that. You don't do it. like there cool. is hard surface. So there is character modelers or yeah. organic and there is uh, hard surface modelers and there is environment modelers and there are like groomers. Okay. okay? And, and texture artists, of course, like texture yeah. artists, um, look dev artists and groomers. Um, a texture, a grooming, like a modeling artist can do texturing, but cannot do look dev or grooming. Oh, okay. Interesting. The material work is the look dev work, right? The shaders and things like that. Uh, no, modelers do not do uh, shaders. I okay, mean, but what's uh, what's look dev is what I was wondering. Uh, yeah, look dev is uh, shading and uh, basically shading and uh, and rendering. Not Got not it. like rendering the final image, but just like like look development of the character, the materials okay. and the the feel skin, metal, the shading of the hair, the shading of everything, basically. Even for the hard surface, for everything, for environments, for everything. So look dev uh, artists they do shading and material work for all aspects. Uh -huh. But a character modeler only only does modeling okay. for organic. Now, how do you get that job? And uh, and I'm looking at your art station, and there's like four posts. <laughs> so, you, yeah. so so you give us no no history of how you and where you came from. You're just like I'm awesome. So how do you get that job? What do you have to do these days? Well, it was a bit harder for me than many of the other people like right now because mm -hmm. when I started, I started like ten years ago. Uh, but not as a cactus or not as a 3D artist. I started mm -hmm. as an interior designer oh. when I graduated from the college. Um, and in Egypt, uh, nobody knew 3D. Nobody knew how to do cactus. It wasn't a common knowledge and um, it wasn't used in cinema. So there was no industry. It was super limited. And uh, the resources were really, like, were really limited. So I had to learn by myself uh, five years ago. Um, and then I started like to switch to uh, to character art from like from just doing like interior and archives in 3D Max. Um, I started learning ZBrush and Modbox and how to do cactus and all that stuff just from like free YouTube videos as practice. That's why I don't publish more a lot because I don't like to publish stuff that looks bad. So I like to practice more at home. Like so, I have like so many like you find here. This is the only project I think published. Everything I have here is pretty much a work in progress, which I learn from, but I never publish now, at least. Uh, but yeah, but after that, I worked in one of the biggest uh, visual effects company. We're doing visual effects for film. Uh, it's called Mercury Visual Effects. And uh, I worked there for two and a half years, for two years. And uh, basically, I learned, I was the only character modeler on spot. And uh, I had to do all the character work from modeling, topology, concepting, sculpting, hair, rendering, lighting, look dev, everything, like basically everything, even close simulations, uh, sometimes effects, dynamics, mm -hmm. sometimes shot sculpting. Um, and it ranged from animals to realistic to stylized. So it was quite a lot of knowledge in two years. So I made a nice portfolio, like a nice, not a portfolio, a showreel. Uh, it was nice at the time. It was like, it's like five years. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got the job here because I had all aspects included in the show, like from modeling different stuff from monsters to anime and uh, with the texturing, with the shading, with the rendering. So I had the knowledge. 
it showed that I had the knowledge of more than one aspect. Mm-hmm. And at the time, at the time, MPC were working on linking. I didn't work on linking, but they were recruiting people that knows how to sculpt animals, mm. and they had lots of uh, creatures. So uh, yeah, so I just got hired because of my story. It had like, like lots of things uh, f- that is film. And it was pretty hard, to be honest, for somebody from Egypt to get recognized outside, like abroad, and uh, land a job like this, and have an opportunity to work in a huge movie. Like, yeah. like, I, like the recent movies I worked on was like Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Aquaman, uh, X-Men, The Dark Phoenix, um, lots of things, a Pokemon, Detective uh, Pikachu, mm. uh, Underwater okay. is going to be released soon. Um, so yeah, so um, so basically, to land a job like this, you have to build a strong portfolio, but yeah. also you have to know what are you looking for and to know what are, what is requirements of the market at the time. Like mm. to, to give you an example, for like now, uh, everybody is looking for facial mold. Mm. Okay. Like, like everybody, like all the companies, they are all searching for facial models. So if you can uh, do some um, like include in your portfolio something like if you didn't if you if you didn't work in the industry in like face face shapes or stuff like that so sculpt something sculpt something with facial um, sculpt uh, portraits like you can you can do one only one good portrait and you will you will land a job but if you can do only like one really good mm. like anatomically correct it looks nice uh, it looks good like the structure looks solid uh, uh the anatomy looks solid and um yeah you can you can you can land a job like that i i believe that you can land a job like that with only one good piece well let's unpack that then i think uh, there's a lot of stuff there but i think um that's something worth us diving into because what we need to understand what what i think is hard to understand is what does it oops, excuse me what does it mean one good piece right like what are the triggers that tell somebody that this is a good piece, you know, because of course we could look at Vimal, we could look at Hossein and, you know, I love those yeah. guys, um, you know, but just looking at that, that can be intimidating and we don't know what's, you know, and some, yeah. sometimes people only look at their finished work. They don't look at some of Hossein's earlier work, you know, and or they don't yeah. look at some of Vimal's like, you know, the first couple of hours maybe aren't as pretty as the rest. So they skip yeah, of course. That, you know, yeah. so, so what are the triggers? Like how does somebody, what do they focus on? And, and, and I got one more thing to add to that, because if I look at this, the, the thing that's on your screen right now, the ZBrush sculpt, yep. and then I look at your art station with the texture and all of that, I've found it's that it's different. Yeah, I found that it's yep. hard for people to make that gap. And I've also found that people get stuck in ZBrush when really the thing that they need to do is get out of ZBrush and get into some of these other programs. Exactly, because ZBrush also uh, gives you like a false representation of the model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't have like an accurate camera like that. So while working, you need to have both ZBrush and Maya open. Yeah. And you do like some tweaks and then send it to Maya and check if, um, put the te- apply the texturing, the texture and check because when you do something in ZBrush and it looks, oh, wow, it looks awesome. And then you send it to Maya and wow, this is uh, not good. This is a completely different thing. I, I, I have to interrupt you. I, I, I have to, I tell my students all the time you, that ZBrush is designed to like over, exactly. 
he like he we would talk about this right because people would have these problems they, they'd be like oh, it always looks so good in zbrush yeah and over would be like because i wrote it to look good in zbrush <laughs> that's what i yeah. did yeah exactly and some people also stick with orthographic view which mm -hmm. you can see it looks dramatically different. Mm -hmm. so, so if you if you stick to the orthographic view, yeah, it's good to sculpt with the orthographic view, but um, always switch the perspective just to check how everything for yeah. you, uh, how the forms were, how dark the forms, how uh, uh, the dimensions work, and like uh, the measurement work. So it it can be tricky, like in ZBrush alone, because it's completely different how it would look like in Maya. So what usually I what what I do usually is I open Maya and ZBrush both, mm -hmm. and just do some tweaks. And yeah, this looks good in ZBrush. Let's send it to Maya and check if uh, something because when you send it in Maya, you see some errors right you will see some error and you'll have to fix that you oh the, the eyes looks like too wide or the eye, it looks um, uh, like compared to the texture like you might you might do something like this and you say you think that the iris might look good in that position and you send it to maya and you apply the texture and render and oops the iris look bad and the the eyelids are too far from the the edge of the iris and it doesn't it just doesn't look like the expression doesn't look and the look doesn't doesn't look so i would never stick with uh, with zbrush for too long i will send it to maya pretty soon in the uh, uh, in the process mm -hmm. especially when i'm doing like topology work for it so i will send it to maya pretty soon check if everything looks good check with different cameras cameras um, and i always use a, a high range uh, camera like uh, us 50 will look uh, more uh, like fish it, it 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 will just make the portrait look bad mm -hmm. so i will stick with like high numbers in the focal length uh, yeah and just work with like two applications with like two applications with zbrush and with maya side by side and sometimes no. i do adjustment in maya with like the oh. sculptor or like move vertices in maya to that i feel it will look good like that and then uh if it's a dramatic change i will send it back to zbrush and check the the details that i have there uh, but if it's not it will not affect the displacement map that got it how far um do you take anatomy like if you, you could just how far do we have to take the anatomy from your perspective so far <laughs> all the way <laughs> i mean not all the way but um it's super crucial to have like a strong base in the beginning because if you anybody can can model a, a body or a face uh but and you see you can see like lots of portraits online bodies online uh yeah it looks good but uh, if you concentrate a bit the base is not there there is something but the sometimes there's not the, the base is not there and what what no matter how you try to improve it it will never improve because the the base anatomy is not there uh so that's i, I think that's why some people struggle uh at at the beginning mm -hmm. because they are too eager to get a final look super fast but yeah. they they didn't study anatomy really well to get to that point uh so i see people like i see I see, I see some people like post stuff and they're like, oh, I did that uh, character or that like portrait in three hours. So, okay. Um, 
but when you really look at it, um, it doesn't look good. But he thinks it looks good, and this is a disaster because if you think your work looks good, you will never improve. So you have to think, you have to feel that your work is like, yeah, this is okay, this is fine, I'm gonna like publish that. But you you had spent like lots of time doing it, like on that uh, work, not just two or three hours, and you're like, ah, oh, this looks okay, this looks good, uh, this is amazing, I'm like the best artist in the world, and just publish it, and uh, it doesn't look good, look good in the end. You you forgot the basis, you forgot the anatomy, forgot to add more, especially for beginners. I'm not talking professionals, as they know what they're doing. If you if you if you do it a lot, you can do it really fast in two hours and get like a really good result. But I mean, like for beginners, people who just got into sculpting and like character art, uh, I think they rush too fast to a point and they forget to start slow and they they like their work too much that they can't improve. And I've seen I've seen some people work like in three years, and this is a disaster because they think it's like the best. Uh, and if you, in my opinion, if you like your work so much, you will never improve. If but if you think that oh this is nothing and uh, I have to do more, I have to do better, you will always improve. So but it gets uh, but it gets depressing after. Sometimes yeah, it gets depressing, but if you take it slowly, take it like really slowly, and just do like a piece. Don't publish, don't show, just do a piece, but just make your, your hand work. Because when you see something, um, you get like your, uh, your eye memory, but your hand is not trained. Like you think that you can do it, but your hand is not trained to it. Mm -hmm. So if you, yeah, if you do some work, uh, if you do more work at home, uh, just don't publish. Like, don't worry about exposure just yet. Just practice a lot and you will get to it. And if it gets depressing, uh, just, I mean, for me, when it gets depressing to me, I just look at other people's work and see and say, like, okay, he could do it, then I can do it. So I try to do what is he doing. So mm. I just try to uh, put like a goal in front of me. I want to be there. I will be. There. Yes, it gets depressing, and yes, it gets boring sometimes. And if and if you get bored of a piece that you're working on, just leave it and start a new one. Just leave it. It's, it doesn't matter. I mean, you will always do something. Uh, the, like the next, the next piece that you work, that you will work on. It will always be better than the than the past one. So just leave it and just start a new one with a fresh mind, with a fresh eye. Just search the internet, get some references. Just say, okay, I'll try to do that. It didn't work. I'll do something else, something easier. Start with something easy, and then. Yeah, I think that's 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 it with like depression from work because I got depressed uh, even like lately as as well. But you just need to to keep going if you love what you're doing. I like that um, note to just keep your hand, you know, kind of busy. So yeah, how, exactly. how do you how do you think like um, I don't know how to exactly phrase this, but what I'm wondering is how you think about anatomy and. Um, and if you could describe like what anatomy is from your perspective. And again, I'm not entirely sure what I'm asking here, but I'm trying to get a sense of like, um, of, of how you conceptualize it. Like, is it lines? Cause when I'm looking here at the face that we're seeing here inside of ZBrush, you know, it's like, you, there's all these half tones. I can see all these lines, but you know, you're not going down into wrinkles, but you haven't just done no. planes either. You know, this is much more advanced than planes, but it's not a bunch of, you know tertiary yeah. details so how do you how do you think about anatomy in terms of the face that yeah, helps sure. you get to a certain level and not farther yeah sure uh i'll show you another another piece now yeah so this guy this yeah. is uh, actually a work in progress now like i'm still working on that this one now 
will be published soon. So it started like to something. Got it. So I think of anatomy as volumes uh, and planes, like mm -hmm. volumes that has planes on it, on top of like, that, like volumes consisting of planes. So okay. Exact. Uh, so I usually what I do I like I like block shapes like that with the clay like clay buildup for example, mm -hmm. and then do like the planes counted out. So it's like big forms. I don't go with the, with the polish. Like some people like to do it like with the polish brush, planes in the face, like get this plane on here and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, no, I don't usually do that. So I, I work in like big, big forms mm -hmm. as like clay-like forms, uh, but just as like a structure. And it, it changes a lot, like changes a lot in the end, because you can see how like from, from here, it got from here to there. Yeah. Like from here to there. Um, so yeah, so I think of it as uh, blocks with consisting of planes, but not just uh, smooth planes, like something like that, for example. So I separated this, like this model when I started, it's like separation, something mm -hmm. like this, and just just blocking volume, just block, blocking volumes. First, first of all, I do like the landmarks, like the bony landmarks mm -hmm. for the body and like the cage and scapulas and stuff like that, and then uh, go from there into like big blocks, big blocks of, um, yeah, and then like build everything like separate and then combine it in the end in one sub tool, like in one tool. Yeah, I've seen this um, approach come more and more. Does that help you pose it or what's the reason? Uh, uh, no, it's just to simplify the, uh, the anatomy process because if you, like something like this, if you start, like if you start from a sphere, and mm -hmm. then go forward and uh, pull the arms out. It's gonna, you, you know, how dynamic. Mm -hmm. It's gonna look funky and hard to, uh, to control, uh, like something like this, for example. So I, I usually try to separate the model to torso, arms, legs alone, this part alone, uh, head alone, and then combine them in the end. Uh, not not for posing purposes, but just for simplifying the modeling process. Mm. Uh, because if you're you, if you're a beginner, and you watch a, a YouTube video, for example, and you, you see an experienced artist, and he's pulling and from like uh, with the move tool, he's pulling out from a sphere, limbs and like head and everything from one sphere. You're gonna be uh, you gotta find it hard. You gotta find it hard to, to understand because it looks bad in the beginning, like really bad, and mm -hmm. the, the mesh is not controllable. Uh, so I, for easing, like for easier purposes and like for faster purposes, like for faster working purposes, I like to work in like separate uh, tools first and then combine them in the end and not in the end, like midway before before going to topology and um, and sculpt on them and just dynamesh them all and then retopple do the uh, the rest of the process um and in industry as well like vfx like in film industry uh, you will have to do that way like you will have to work that way you'll have to work with uh, with the model uh separated like the head is separate than the body separate than the arms and the legs mm -hmm. because say you did this stuff and then for some reason the client gave you a feedback oh no i need this hand to be like this arm uh, a hammer for a sword mm -hmm. so now you're stuck and if you want you can, yes you can you can cut it off and put something else but if but it can it can produce a really high polygon 
if you work like that and you want to present to the to the client for example so it would be uh, like a really high poly mesh you'll find it hard to work with and you'll find it hard to, ha to to hand over to other artists um you might want to keep this arm you, you don't you don't have to get rid of it uh and if you work in separate pieces you can actually blend the sub tools together so it doesn't look like it's cut off the model mm -hmm. So I find it for like uh, uh, concepting purposes, I find it to work in like subtools uh, much more convenient than working in one, like building uh, an asset from only one sphere, like completely sure. once. Um, it would be much more better if you can simplify the anatomy more to boxes, like the shoulder, the shoulder muscles to be like a sphere for mm -hmm. and this and the bicep sphere and you shape it separately than the other, the other uh, parts. Uh, it would be easier. It will give, uh, it will give you faster results, but uh, it takes a lot of time to prepare for it, to put every muscle and like put every structure of the body in like geometrical way. Uh, you will, you will, you, in the end, you will see the image more clear, but uh, it's a bit more if you know what you're doing, go for it. If you don't know what you're doing, so start from sphere and just, um, just see where you're going. Um, but basically, but like, for, like in the VFX industry, you will never do that. You will never start from, you will always have a bit. Awesome. Um, I want to talk about an, a little, another question about anatomy. Um, and if you guys have any questions that are live here live about anatomy, let me know. But otherwise, after that, I want to jump into texturing if we can. Yeah, sure. Um, but what are some of the common mistakes that people make in anatomy that like right off the bat tell you somebody's still at the beginner stage? Yeah. So uh, mostly the some of the parts, the anatomical parts in the body, they, they can't do right. Like the face, for example, the face is super complicated. It looks simple, but it's not. Like it's 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 composed of different like so many muscles. So what people tend to do is they tend to hide the structure of the muscles underneath uh, the skin. So for example, they they don't know that there is like a muscle like running. Uh, so they 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 wouldn't make it like obvious link of the um, for like uh, the neck muscles. Sometimes I see people like to here or they don't know the insertion points. The the so it's the insertion points of the of the muscles, uh, the landmarks. If the landmarks are wrong, so no, you need some work on the anatomy. So it's the the bony landmark, the scapulas, the um, I don't know the name, the pelvic, the the pelvis. Uh, so stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, if the if these are missing, so the anatomy is off. Um, like other things, like it's it's more it gets more obvious in like faces. Yeah. Uh, in in faces because they usually don't get like the like these for example like these like the scale between the eyes and the nose like this this space uh the skull shape for example sometimes it's like uh, they do it as a spherical shape it's not it's not sphere. Mm. yeah it looks like a sphere. it's like an it's an egg shape and it has some some stuff going on it's not a sphere like from the from the front it might look like a sphere but it's not Got so it. uh things like that yeah. um in anatomy, in general, like general body, like yeah, the bony landmarks, the insertion points of the uh, of the muscles, especially uh, the bicep, the pecs, they 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 get like completely wrong sometimes. Um, yeah, uh, the hands, like the limbs, super important, and sometimes they don't get it right. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the yeah. wrists of this thing that you sculpted, and those are just amazing. Right? 
that's one. Yeah. Well, you have to use like reference. Like, you, have huh? to, you have to reference a lot to something, to an anatomical figure for like lots of anatomy charts, stuff. So you always need to work from something, uh, especially in the beginning until you get the memory and the knowledge of where everything is going. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, so until this time, this happens, you have to work from reference hold, even if you're a professional, like we always use reference, always use reference. Do you have uh, scan data that you work with? Uh, no, I just wow. use photos, internet. That's great. I, I like to chart like this. Um, yes, just like a chart like this, mm -hmm. also. like loads of, uh, anatomy reference muscle. Is that pure ref? Yeah, pure ref. Yeah, it's super helpful because you don't have to save pictures from the internet and search for them and just open one picture at a time, just drag and drop and floating. All right, hold on. I just spilled a bunch of water on myself. Light <laughs> me over for now. Uh, all right, let's take a look at some texturing um, because uh, you're a man of many talents. We take a look <laughs> at, your, um, at that uh, sculpt that you did. And um, if we're on your art station, man, that's like texture, amazing. And uh, Susan was mentioning you spend your time in Mari. Yeah, uh, I spend my time in Mari. Uh, I don't know how to use Substrator. I know that many people find that funny, but I tried, but I just don't have the time to learn it. And, uh, I want to learn it eventually, but, uh, I'd like to stick with Mary and Mary, uh, just doesn't give you stuff. For, so you have to work for it. Did you just accuse us of cheating with substance? No, I didn't accuse you. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, I told you, I told you. Uh, I want, I really want to learn it because it cuts like so much time. But uh, for me, for now, uh, I like to take the hard, the hard, especially in, and if you're working in uh, like an industry, in like a film industry, they all use Maria. I don't like, at least I don't know what they use. Uh, NPC, most of them, like in the organic work, they use Maria. So if you, if you want to work a big studio, a VFX studio as a texture artist, you have to know, if you know Substance Painter, yeah, it's, it's great, of course, edition, it's edition, but you have to know Mary as well. Uh, so yeah, so Mary basically, uh, it makes you work for the material and for the look that you are, you're going for. So for example, this, uh, texture for the crown and the costumes for the elf, um, it was done like with a couple of. Yeah. So some tile maps, node graph can look a bit uh, confusing, but it's, it's pretty easy. The, the node graph is pretty easy. Um, so yeah, so this is just a bunch of tile maps. Mm -hmm. like these maps. Or did, does it come with a collection of tiled maps, tileable maps? Uh, no, you just, I just downloaded that from the internet. Okay. Yeah. So I just searched for like, uh, you know, there's a website called, uh, cgtextures.com textures.com yeah. yeah it got like free texture can download it's pretty helpful and pretty nice resource for artists uh, to get like resources for texturing so i just got like uh tiles like three different materials i just mix with a uh, with a noise map uh like a noise map i just mix everything together um and i used uh, uh, um, an arnold material in in, in mari to just get the uh, the feel of how it will look like. So yeah, you see it's like a um, noise map with, with a curvature mask and you have to pay for it. That doesn't come with the original map. Um, yeah, so it's just a, a bunch of tiles mixed together with the uh, masks, mm -hmm. as noise maps and curvature maps. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, so it uh, in the end it gives you. I put it. I plug it into AI standard uh, shader yeah. mode here in my. So uh, yeah, so to get the the final. Okay, so uh, let, let me let me pause you right there. So we're in Mari. For many of my people, this is going to be like totally brand new. Um, there was a question of why Mari over Substance in the film, and you know I think some element of that had to do with UDIMS, just the way that the workflow for film. But do you have any specific yeah. way to explain why Mari is more dominant right now? Uh, I think it's more because uh, the UDIM workflow, because okay. uh, at the moment, yeah, Substance Painter doesn't have like the support for UDIMS, um, um, and it, it, treat, it treats UDIMS as uh, subtle in Substance. But Mari, uh, well. The UV type, the, the UDIMS in film, a creature like Godzilla, for example, it might it might contain like of UV tiles, 30, maybe more, maybe 80, mm -hmm. uh, 80 UV tiles. So it's like um, it's crucial to uh, to have a, a software that supports multi-teams and you can paint through easily and you can mirror your paint, just paint one side and uh, mirror the other side. Yeah, they will soon support UDIMS, but I'm not sure when. Talking about the time being, it's, yeah. uh, um, it's only Mary. Um, yeah, so and the, the majority of uh, people, I think, in the industry, like texture artists, the majority of them, they are using Mary. Uh, to, to, to my knowledge, I don't know. And, and when, we say, when we say supports UDIMS, I think we're saying something very specific. It's, it's, it, it means um, by support, we mean paint across UDIMS, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Is, how do you explain UDIMs? Do you have an example? I didn't. I didn't actually. Um, in case somebody's well, not aware of what a UDIM is. Uh, yes, I have an. I think I have. Uh, yeah. So this is UDIM. There you go. Wow, so a, cre a creature that big, a creature that big, will uh, will have to be painted uh, in a really high resolution maps to be seen in a big screen, mm -hmm. like on the, on the big screen, uh, with a with a really high quality. So these are actually not so much UDIMs. So typically in, in the industry, a creature like this will have double the number of UDIMs. So I have like that much more. Uh, because now I have each tile, each tile is like 4K. Okay. So this is 4K and this is only this side of the head. Oh yeah, that's just half the head. Exactly. Mm. So imagine if this is like 4K and this is 4K, so each each tile is 4K. So if you need more resolution, you can cut. The, uh, if you if you're doing like in the cinema, if if there's a shot where this creature will appear like that, this is super close. This really like, close. Looking at I, his mouth. Yeah, exactly. So I think if I'm doing this, I would have to uh, split it up more, or at least take these uh, the, the mouth parts here mm -hmm. to another UDIM and scale them uh, up to fill the 4K and mm -hmm. cut this more, like cut this um, face more, like from here, for example, and make this a 4K. Uh, uh, so basically, uh, UDIMs is related to the texture resolution of. Uh, of the model and it's oh, again it's related uh, as well to the output that you want so if mm -hmm. it's like a super close-up you make like lots of udems if it's uh, not a hero character so do less udems because it takes so much time to to compile and to mm -hmm. got it and this is well actually how do you deal with tile textures in this case when you're applying them across it it's just a matter of you apply them and then paint the seams uh no i I paint from scratch. Yeah. So uh, I just open here. It will take a while to open. Sorry, but um, I'll talk until it opens. Okay. Um, 
you just paint on the model like directly directly on the model this is going to be a bit scary the uh, the node graph but just don't mind it it's pretty easy to do uh, so basically what you do is when you paint on like stuff like that uh, i usually what i usually do is i poly poly model like poly paint sorry in, uh, in zbrush so i have like a base color and then export that to murray so i have like a base texture uh, to work with and then paint directly on so it's like directly a paint like that. So you paint across this. Uh, if I need something specific and like to project something, say here on the face, I will like project here, but away from. I will I will not touch. The, if it happens and the um, and the color, for example, go through the seam, it will make a seam in the model in the texture. So you have mm -hmm. to go go on top of it and uh, just run through it and uh, paint over it and to to hide it basically yeah but uh, basically what i will do i will uh, poly paint in, in zbrush because it's much easier much faster and then take it to uh, just to get like a a base color and send it to Mari to start working with like procedurals projections uh, if i need to get like some projections from um, animals or stuff like that um, and yeah you just go through go on the model and just hide the, like paint over the okay Got directly it. yeah directly all right so it is a matter of a you're still applying tileable texture after texture and layering those to establish a base yeah and then yep. just hiding the seam yep uh like something like this so yeah so something like this if i show the uh, orthographic view so i usually do i i get the base color from a zbrush and i plug it here and then put some uh, tileables, uh, noises, uh, procedural noises. Yeah, so this is the shade of the, the texture network. It's a bit big, but yeah, so it's a bit, yeah. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. And you're like, it's super easy, but I just want everybody to know rocket science yeah. is very it's easy for rocket scientists. That's just easy. <laughs> Okay. No, it's not. It's not. If you if you break it, if you break it, it's all layered. <laughs> like these, these are all like paint layers. Yeah. I just separate. Like I paint something and I set up. So I just over another paint layer and just paint on top of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then go through. Uh, and there's this is like a radio node and the, the radio node go to another radio node. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of layers because there's a lot of things going on. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but. Uh, it can be a bit intimidating in the beginning, but when you know it and you when you break it that like you break it up when you work basically like I mean if you look at it now, but if you are the one doing it like step by step and node after node, you'll find it's nothing. It's just uh, a bunch of procedural maps uh, and like masks and colors uh, on top of each other um, to come up with the the final the final. Uh, and here I have like separate, like I separated the blood for, from the body. It's like another layer with another like specular map. And beautiful. Uh, so yeah, so it uh, yeah, it looks like it looks like a workflow design a substance painter, but mm -hmm. it's a bit more manual. Uh, you don't just uh, like smart put a smart material. It's a bit more manual. It, it takes it takes more time. Yes, it's time consuming. Yes, mm -hmm. but it's worth it in the end if you want to, to get like to get yourself trained on harder uh, situations. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes at like studios, you might be surprised like, oh, we don't have licensed painter. We only have Mary. And we, the texture artist that we want, we want him to know Mary. So if you don't know Mary. Right. You can't yeah. actually lose a job because. Now you're at MPC. Um, they're, uh, I forget what they call those companies, but um, they're not the, the maker of the movie. They're, they're basically a, a studio, not a studio. 
Oh, I can't believe I forgot the term. But um, this is a job you've had for quite a while. Yeah. Usually film is less stable. That's where I was ultimately going with it. Film is not necessarily the most stable. Game is more stable. But uh, companies yeah. like NPC, you know, like, for example, one of my friends, Niles. Niles has been there a long time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I know him. I know I, he's actually my friend. Yeah, he's he's. I tell students about Niles all the time because he's he's the one who taught me that you only need one model. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. And it was one model. He he was telling the story about how it was one model that got him a job. And they they at NPC they looked at one model and it was a model he did in one of our classes. And um and they were like, well that's it. You're you know you're you're hired. They look at a damn thing. And he worked six months plus yeah. on that, forty hours a week. And uh, nervous breakdown after nervous breakdown, he said. Oh, uh, nervous breakdown looking at that. <laughs> well, this is the elf setup for the the face. Damn. But uh, but no, this is I didn't work with the nodes here. I, I layer base the layer base, so that's why the nodes are messy. I didn't work in that. So when you use basically in Mari, when you use the uh, the uh, the layer base workflow, the nodes are super hectic. It's like you will never will never know which is which and where to go. So if you have to decide before going in, before working, like start moving to work, if you are working with a node system mm -hmm. or the layer base system. So this is so much like food. I, I like to use it with uh, cactus, like realistic cactus, not creatures, because uh, it's much more uh, manageable. Creatures, I like nodes because it's, it gives you more freedom to, mm -hmm. uh, but this one, I like it more in, in cactus. It's, it's more straightforward and you know where to go. And you... so for the, the elf, I basically did for the texturing, I had like a base color. So I have the channels here. So the channels here is uh, what you, so I have the base color which is the epidermal color of the skin or the pale yeah. skin on top. So this uh -huh. is the diffuse basically in, in Maya and the and the standards uh, in the Arnold's. So this is the diffuse. You have no, I tried to remove all the um, veins information, the blood, blood like colors from mm -hmm. the, so it's, it's, it's pretty pale and a bit uh, bluish. Um, and I have, of course, the displacement map painted, the displacement map, the multi-channel from uh, XYZ, texturing XYZ. And you're pulling in all the channels, right? The red, green, and blue? Yeah, yeah. And you can here, you can um, you go to you go to the layers and you say copy channel, for example. And then when you export, you say, oh, I want the red channel. So this is the secondary mm -hmm. maps. And this is the tertiary maps. And this is the micro. The micro, so you can actually control it, and you can you can control each one like levels, like yeah, if you, that's you yeah. And I have uh, the specular, the, the the micro specular, which is the broad specular of the face. So it's basically the displacement. It's like super broad. It gives uh, it gives variation in spec light on the model. Hmm. Not too hard, but just to give like specular that like the base specular. And I have the oil specular, which is the tight areas, the uh, more oily areas like the mouth, the eyes. And then I have the SSS color, which is it is basically a copy from the diffuse color, from the base color, but it's more saturated, more set, has more colors. I painted some veins here, like these are annually painted mm -hmm. with. Uh, uh, procedural noise and just masked some areas. So I painted like this, this, all that stuff. And there was like a tattoo here, but it's not in there. And then this is the most important map of all. I mean, for Arnold, at least the SSS radius. So this controls this, this hmm. controls the scattering of the skin. Mm -hmm. So basically darker reds, less scattering, 
brighter reds or brighter values more more scattering so um and the colors differs because this uh, scattering of the veins for example uh here is gray like i painted gray here because uh, these are like thin areas tends to glow and glow red in uh, in the render so when you paint it like mid-level gray it is still scattering but it's not glowing so you don't have the red glow in thin areas that uh, render like for realistic uh, faces mm -hmm. so especially in the nose like this is pretty uh, pretty thin and this is pretty thin so uh, just to avoid the glowing of the red shader now you you're using texture.xyz right texture and xyz yeah okay so i saw the multi channel i see that how are you building this channel well, so in Photoshop, uh, sorry, uh, the multi-channel, uh, the multi-channel XYZ map already comes packed with the, uh, like it's all on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So you don't build it. You actually take it as is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is you wrap it around the model with a uh, wrap three, like I use wrap three to, mm -hmm. to wrap. So yeah, I'm pretty sure most people know the, uh, this way. But just you take like you take you get a plane and you project the texture on the plane in Maya, just the UV, and um, I wrap it around the model with the texturing XYZ color applied on it, and then I bake the color with X normals. I bake the color, the displacement information, everything, and then go to Mari and start filling in the gaps. Uh, yeah, and start uh, filling in the gaps. I'll show you this one. This one will look creepy for now, but it's still still work in progress. Um, but it will show the uh, the increase, like the process. Yeah, and That's sometimes cool. if you get like pictures like this, for example, mm -hmm. yeah, I tend to unfold them like that in Photoshop just to have the consistent uh, lighting. If the pictures doesn't have like the same lighting like that, I can color tone it and color grading and fix the differences of the angles because this angle would be different than this angle, like lighting. Right. Uh, so the skin tone will be different. So I usually unfold it like that here in Photoshop and just fix it, uh, go back to Mary and just uh, start with. So yeah, so this is it and this is the Maya. So yeah. Um, uh, if you if you're using the old XYZ maps that comes with the primary and the secondary and tertiary and the micro details maps, you'll have to combine them in Photoshop. You just uh, open the first map, the secondary map, and just put the tertiary and the micro one in the green channel, the red channel, the the blue channel, and the green. Cool. The tertiary in the green and the micro. So yeah, so that's how it comes from XYZ. You get it. That's that. This is going to be. This is a whole class. This has to be a class. <laughs> This is really good. Um, all right. Well, we're right there at about an hour. So uh, let me open this up um, for everybody. If you got some questions, uh, give me a quick shout out. Um, I think the last thing we should probably do is just unpack this guy that you've got because you've got this uh, elf in um, in Maya. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about what you did to to finish it to get the skin and all that. We've talked about the sculpting. We've talked yeah, about sure. texturing inside of Mari. Um, yeah. And then now we probably ought to just like how you bring that stuff in. But let me open this up, guys. If you've got questions, make sure you're shouting those things out, right? Um, so I can start threading those. Um, all right. So uh, you've got your you've got your sculpt, you've got your texture, you've done your your, your texture.xyz. What do you do yeah. then? Then so I take it to Maya and uh, do the grooming work uh, with the Xgen. Yeah. So yeah. So I use the, like Xgen to do like the grooming work. So I didn't care much about the back because and always um, 
don't overwork. If something is not going to appear, forget about it. Don't lose time. You don't need. Um, if you need to show the model from all angles, then yeah. But if you're just uh, aiming for uh, an emotion portrait or an expression portrait, just a portrait, you're not moving it, then just don't uh, lose time and waste time doing other stuff that is not going to appear. Uh, so yeah, so for this one, um, I use XGen to, uh, to groom the hair. So it's pretty basic here. Um, and then after that, uh, set up the lights. So I set up the lighting without the texture first, just to get the uh, general first impression and mm -hmm. just feel of the of how it would look like. And then try to adjust the light later in shader because the shader makes the light look totally. Uh, if you if you if you're testing the lights, okay, yeah, sure. Should I answer that question first? Uh, we can take that later. Okay, um, so yeah, if you're lighting with a, like a clay model with no shader on it, uh, mm -hmm. just a, uh, like a Lambert, uh, you tend to get uh, correct representation, uh, sorry, uh, wrong representation of the light. Mm -hmm. uh, it might uh, look brighter, but it's not bright. Uh, when you apply the subsurface scattering and you apply the, all the textures and everything, right. it doesn't look bright and super dark and you right. don't know what to do and oh, it's not dramatic enough. So you feel lost. So first do the lighting with the Lambert shader on, try to don't make like overexposed and stuff like that. And then after that, when you apply the shader, readjust the light. Uh, it doesn't have to be physically correct. If it looks good enough, it doesn't matter. To be do you perfect. rebuild the Arnold? Network or does it export from Mari? Like, how, what's the network inside of Maya? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll show. You. Uh, I rebuild it uh, from the beginning, uh, but there's a, a little handy tool from uh, XYZ to uh, set up the displacement. The crafty people. Uh, the displacement guys. map. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty fun to use. So yeah, so this is the shading network for the model. It looks a bit uh, intimidating, but it's like it's all color correct. Color correct node, uh, nothing else. I mean, this is the specular mm -hmm. node. We do that's, that in Unreal. Yeah, the tight specular node, the main specular node with a remap HSV and like a luminance to yep. uh, convert from color to, to uh, uh, I don't know, I forgot the name of this value, but it's the scalar, the scalar value. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and this is the radius map. I connect it to a remap node, apply it to the subsurface radius, go from here. So the weight, I usually, this is the weight that I do, that I use, 0 0.4. Mm -hmm. And the subsurface, I use 0 0.6. So together, they are one. Um, and the scale is one, of course, because the model is real world scale. And mm -hmm. always with the subsurface, try to work with the real world scales and the mesh to be water level. It means it has no holes. So the geometry is closed. Right, still there? Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the, the, the mesh is completely closed. No open um, areas in polygon, okay. uh, just to get correct uh, subsurface scattering. Um, so yeah, so the weight and the, the base, they add to one in the end. Because if you make it only subsurface to one, it will look waxy. And if, if you put the too much weight, it will look too plastic-like or like wood, -like, mm -hmm. super dry. Uh, so I think I think this is a good balance, and don't take this as a as a rule. Every cactus, every cactus differs. Every cactus has its own situation. So don't just take this as like, oh, if it didn't work for me, then it's bad. No, I mean every cactus you have to try and try and try. Like I I I uh, like I had this result after like mm. 
That's good. That's great to hear. Thank you. Yeah, All so right. We have a, yeah. Uh, so and this is basically the uh, the shade X, so diffuse color, and always with a remap just to adjust the value, the saturation and the value of the map uh, on the fly of the render because it's different. Like ZBrush, you see stuff in Murray and it's great and you see stuff in Painter and it's amazing and when you take <laughs> Arnold and start rendering and oops, it doesn't look like what it's looked like in Mario. So we have yeah. to, to put like a remap uh, node after every uh, map to get the tweaks on the while you're rendering and it looks i mean that map or that ramp that you have on this where you're, you've got under your value that's not a normal like just a linear ramp you've got some yeah stuff i get some on yeah because because here what i did in the radius map i needed some areas to be lighter and some areas to be darker in mm. the values of reds for example so mm -hmm. what i did i had the ipr render to the side rendering with the isolate i isolated this map with the isolate option you arnold yeah I basically isolated this map and uh, just tweaked the curves where I and saw the the effect like really. Ah, nice. Okay, got it. Yeah, I understand. So that's how that got crafted. I really appreciate you taking the time and Thanks. walking us through this, man. And um, I mean, this is great. And I I would I'd love to have another conversation with you and get your eyes on someone's work yeah, um, sure. if you have time. Cause, uh, you know, there's something that really draws me to this conversation with you is you know. Your everything you're doing here, you've gone deep. Like you could take oh, this conversation I'm still, further. I'm, I'm still learning. I mean, this is the first uh, realistic portrait I ever I ever looked at. Do a shader network. Mm -hmm. So this is like m pretty much uh, uh, rendering wise, uh, shading wise. It's pretty new for me. Uh, I don't say that I'm like a pro in like look dev. I'm still like learning. Um, so uh, so yeah, it would be great to, to talk to you. So why don't we end with this question? Because I, um, I don't talk about VFX enough because I'm focused on like, a lot of what I focus on is games and it has everything to do with it's just a, like it's a slightly more stable job than VFX. Yeah. But the cool part of that is that VFX sometimes because of the instability, there's a little bit more ins occasionally. Yeah. Um, so let's fin let's end with what Gus is asking. Gus is asking for beginners who'd like to enter VFX. Which areas do we do you recommend they focus? Um, and by that I mean like you know like for example, ten years ago if you knew ZBrush, you know you had a job. If you know ZBrush today, well you know welcome to welcome Look to the, the, the career. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know? So what what do you think people focus on now that's going to you know both be cool and help them get a job? Um, Software-wise, I don't think there is. In, if you know the, it's it's a tool. In the, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, just just do some um, personal work. If if you're a student, if you're not a professional, and you don't have like professional shorty, for example, uh, then you'll have to work, do some effort, and uh, just do some pieces. It doesn't have to be wow pieces, but it just had to be acceptably correct. It has to be pleasant. It mm -hmm. has to nice uh, anatomically the anatomy should look correct because if the anatomy looks bad you're not getting the, if it's like look dramatically mm -hmm. i'm not saying that all the people in the industry get the anatomy right no we, we we all have our mistakes and we all have our like our things but um it has to look acceptable uh, yeah just just see what the market uh, wants uh, at the moment um, some people like find find lots of job for doing like creature modeling so if you like animals just sculpt some animals doesn't have to be many just do one good animal 
and yeah. you will land the job. Like I can guarantee you. do one good animal sculpt, correct anatomy, and it looks good. You will get it. Yeah, you will get something. So just concentrate on something that looks good in the end and don't, just don't publish it that doesn't look like acceptable. Awesome. I like that. I like how you, you know, you're only publishing the stuff that you want. And I, I think we, there's always, there is a rush to publish these days. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I don't usually do like personal work a lot because I'm like, when I was at Egypt, I was like super busy and I used to go to work from like 10 a.m. until like 2 a.m. next day. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any time to do personal work. And here at MPC, I have sometimes, sometimes, uh, not always. Um, and I like to enjoy more. It's like I want to like go out because I already spend like time working. Uh, but in the end, I can do some stuff that I can. Mm -hmm when you need some uh if you if you, but in the end as well i'm like i work in an industry that i will have a showreel in uh but if you're a beginner you don't have a film show you're not experienced in the the film industry. so you need to get in so to get in do some person because you, yeah. you have nothing nothing else and it, it doesn't have to be like the the whole day a couple hours days yeah that makes sense um james is asking when you started working at mpc did you have to move or were you able to do remote uh, no, I had old company, yeah. especially big VFX companies. Privacy. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Got to keep that stuff locked down. <laughs> All right, my friend, uh, Hisham, thank you so much for, for taking you. the time. Thank you for having me today. I'm uh, like, I'm really pleased to meet you all guys and, uh, and to meet you especially. I mean, I learned from. Ah, that's awesome. It's great. I'm glad to hear that. And uh, that obviously I put some good out in the universe because <laughs> you know, looking at this, I mean, your work is great. So thank you so much. Thank, thanks. All right. Take care. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much. All right. See y'all. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. It really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.